are listening to Graceway's weekly message podcast. We hope that this message encourages you to know and enjoy God, find friends, discover your purpose, and make a difference in your community. Enjoy the message. Hey, it's the, the weekend after Thanksgiving. I'm, I'm not going to ask you if it was good, okay? Uh, the question, you know, the question about Thanksgiving really isn't about the turkey because everyone knows turkey's an inferior bird. You know, to chicken, praise God, chicken is a better bird than turkey. Turkey gets one day a year. Chicken's for every day, praise God. And um, it's really about the sides. It's about the sides. And so I want to hear, on the count of three, I want to hear your favorite side. Just yell it out at me. One, two, three. The answer was mac and cheese. If you did not say mac and cheese, you are wrong. You're formally under church discipline. And... Uh, I don't care if you got to take a couple of lactate to be able to enjoy it. Uh, mac and cheese is good. Um, I, I just pray that your Thanksgiving was appropriately seasoned and that God, amen, amen, and that God removed every raisin for the potato salad. Praise God, okay? And won't he do it? Won't he do it, okay? Uh, we, are, uh, <laughs> we are entering the last uh, few weeks of our year through the Bible. So we've been uh, walking through the Bible thematically all year long. Uh, Today we find ourselves in the book of Hebrews. The book of Hebrews chapters 11 and 12. And the book of Hebrews is a a beautiful uh, letter written to uh, Jewish believers who were in the area of Rome. Uh, Now a couple things, one thing we don't know about the book of Hebrews is we're not really sure who the author is. Uh, they don't identify themselves in the book. Uh, there's been uh, argument throughout the ages, as Christians like to do, uh, about who possibly is the author of Hebrews. But there are some things we do know. Uh, a few of the themes of Hebrews are, number one, uh, Hebrews is written to establish the supremacy of Jesus. Basically just means that Jesus is better than anybody you think is great. He, he's supreme. He's the best. So Hebrews establishes the supremacy of Christ, there are, there are all these heroes uh, of faith uh, throughout the ages. You probably have some heroes in your life. Uh, early believers also had heroes in their lives. And the author of Hebrews writes to say, whoever your hero is, Jesus is better. And so the author of Hebrews writes to establish the supremacy of Jesus, but also to encourage Christians who were going through a struggle to endure. That Jesus was best. You should put your faith in him, and when struggle comes, don't give up on Jesus. That's kind of the the overarching themes of Hebrews is that Jesus is best. You should believe on him for salvation, and when it gets hard, don't give up. That's kind of the whole story of Hebrews. And so we're going to start today in chapter 11, verses 1 through 11. This is what the Word of God says from the book of Hebrews. Now faith, say faith, Faith. is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. For by it, the people of old received their commendation. By faith, we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. By faith, there you go, catching on, Abel offered to God a more acceptable sacrifice than Cain through which he was commended as righteous. God commended him by accepting his gifts, and through his Though he died, he still speaks. By Enoch was taken up so that he should not see death, 
And he was not found because God had taken him. Now, before he was taken, he was commended as having pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please him. For whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. By Noah being warned by God concerning events as yet unseen, in reverent fear, built an ark for the saving of his household. By this he condemned the world and became an heir of righteousness that comes by faith. By faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was received uh, to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to a city that has foundations, whose designer and builder is God. By faith, Sarah herself received power to conceive, even when she was past the age, since she considered him faithful who had promised. Chapter 12, verse 1. Therefore, since we are surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, let us, like them, lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely, and let us Run with endurance the race that is set before us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word today. We thank you for Jesus. Holy Spirit, come now. Help us to rightly divide your word and help us to rightly apply your word to our lives. Holy Spirit, transform us by the reading of your word from the inside out. Transform us to look more and more like Jesus. And it's in the, in the mighty name of Jesus that we pray. And all God's people said, amen. amen. I want to preach to y'all today from the thought, you won't win this fight without faith. I'm going to say it again for the people in the back. You won't win this fight without faith. Turn to your neighbor and say, let's fight. Yeah, turn to the other, other neighbor and say, I'm ready to fight. That's how I want to end Thanksgiving week, just with some, some fighting amongst friends, right? Uh, one of the things I really enjoy about this place, being Graceway, is the varied crowd that it draws. Uh, some of y'all came in here today, uh, and you know that you're in the fight of your life right now. Your marriage has been struggling, but you're fighting for it. Your kids aren't living exactly how you hoped they would, but you're not giving up on them. You're fighting for them. Uh, your finances aren't quite where you wish they would be, but you're not going to give up. Some of y'all even got a terrible diagnosis, and you're literally fighting for your life this morning. But you're not going to give up. Some of y'all came in here today knowing you were in a fight. Some of you came in today not knowing you were in a fight. You ever been a fight, but, in a fight but you didn't know? Like, you ever been sucker punched? You don't need to raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. Don't raise your hand. We're, we're cool. We'll pray for you. <laughs> you ever been sucker punched? That's what a sucker punch is. You were in a fight you didn't know you were in. And that's what life will do to you too, won't it? Life will, if you're walking through life thinking you're not in a fight, life's going to sucker punch you. Or, or maybe, um, maybe there's some people in the room who have a significant other, possibly a spouse. I want to give you all a hypothetical that's never happened to me in my life or you, but possibly could happen in the future sometime. You are in your house with just relaxation on your mind, enjoying a peaceful day. Your spouse or significant other is in another room of the house also being quiet. Hours go by, 
and it's complete silence. And you're thinking, what an amazing, relaxing day, right? Now, your significant other has been washing all the dishes very loudly and angrily scrubbing floors. But you're thinking, man, what a peaceful day. <laughs> and after, <laughs> there's some testimonies in the room I can hear. There's some testimonies out here. And after a few hours of all this peace, your significant other comes to you and goes, are we in a fight? And you're like, well, we weren't before, but we are now. We were, you were in a fight that you didn't know you were in. And I'm coming to you today trying to convince you guys today that regardless of whether you know you're in a fight or you're unaware that you're in a fight, you're in a fight. You're in a battle right now for the attention of your mind and the affections of your heart. You have a God who is jealous for you and a world who clamors for your attention. We are in a battle whether we want to acknowledge it or not. And the author of Hebrews tells us that this, this fight that we're in, he calls it a race. He says there's a race set before us, but if you don't like to run, you know that running a race is a lot like having a fight. Like, I don't want to be in this. I don't want to do this. I don't want to run anymore, but I'm battling this thing out. You see, life has a way sometimes of lulling us to sleep, of getting us locked into rhythms, and we don't even realize that we're taking damage as we're living it. Wherever you're at today, you're in a battle for the attention of your mind and the affections of your heart. And if you're going to finish this race, if you're going to win this fight and reach the end, the author of Hebrews says you got to have faith to win this fight. He begins to show us in the beginning of chapter 11, verse 1, that your belief is proven in your battle. That your faith is worked out as you fight. And he begins to walk out some of what faith actually looks like. He says in verse 1, he gives us a definition of what faith is. Verse 1 says this, Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. This word assurance is the Greek word hypostasis, which translates as confidence. We have a confidence in things hoped for. Uh, by defining faith, the Greek word pistis, uh, as assurance or conviction, the author is telling us that biblical faith is not some vague hope grounded in imaginary, wishful thinking. Instead, faith is a settled confidence that something in the future, something that has not yet been seen but has been promised by God, will come to pass because God will make it do so. See, <laughs> we see that biblical faith isn't blind trust in the face of contrary evidence. It's not some unknowable leap in the dark. No, no, no. Biblical faith is a confident trust in an eternal God who's all-powerful, infinitely wise, and eternally trustworthy. The God who's revealed himself through his word and through the person and work of Jesus whose promises have proven true over and over again in your life and over and over again through the generations. This God will bring his promises to pass, and that's where my faith is. 
not in my uh, ability to make things come to pass, my, my ability to manifest things in my life, but in God's ability to do what he's promised. This is biblical faith. And he says that this faith is seen through the testimony of a few people in the scriptures. It's in chapter 11 that even though we don't know the name of this author, I like to believe that he's a, a charismatic preacher. Uh, I think if you read the text with a little bit of inflection, uh, you'll see too that he might just be a Pentecostal preacher. I don't know. I'm not for sure. That's not in the text, but I'm just thinking that he's a little bit charismatic. He, he begins to preach to us in chapter 11. And this is what he says in chapter 11. He begins to preach. He says, he says that this faith, that belief that God will come through is proven in your battle. So you can believe something in your mind, but when a battle comes, you got to put it to action with your, <laughs> with your behavior. And so he says this belief you have will be proven in your battle. Yeah, he says it was by faith, uh-huh, that, uh, that Abel won a battle. See, Abel was trying to decide, do I love my stuff or do I love God? Do I want to offer a sacrifice or do I want to keep my stuff? And Abel fought a battle, didn't he? And he won that battle by putting his faith to action to grow in generosity and affection towards God by offering acceptable sacrifice. It was by faith uh, that Enoch was walking around faithfully for 300 years. If you've been living at all, you know that to live faithfully, faithfully for 300 years, that's a battle. Some of y'all are struggling with 30 years. Amen? <laughs> Yeah, you 30-year-olds are like, yeah, I'm good. your anxiety is keeping you quiet right now, okay? 300 years is a battle. Enoch fought a battle and put his faith to action. And then you know it was by faith that even though Noah had never seen a drop of rain, I, want, I need you all to come here with me. Noah had never seen a rainy day. And God said, build a boat because I'm bringing a flood. You don't think that Noah had to fight some battles in his mind as he day by day walked out his faith by putting hammer to nail, by putting board to boat, every single day putting his faith to action. I wish I had about two or three people in the building that God had asked to do something that didn't make any sense to them. I wish I had a few testimonies because Noah had never seen what God was telling him was about to happen, but still faithfully got busy to see the work put in. And don't you know that he had some neighbors that walked by day by day sucking their teeth at Noah? Doesn't he? Noah, it's never raining in these parts, man. What are you doing? And so not only is he fighting a battle of his own mind, but he's, batting, he's fighting a battle of critics around him. I wish a few folks in here knew what it was like to battle critics around you, to fight battles in your own mind thinking, I don't know why I'm still following Jesus because all the evidence points to me being crazy. But I can't shake this feeling that God is going to bring about what he promised me. Amen? This is what the preacher in Hebrews is saying. It was by faith that Abraham trusted God to move somewhere he'd never seen before. Has, have y'all ever experienced this where God told you to do something and you didn't really know how it was going to happen? You didn't know where you were going? All you knew was that God told you to move and you said, yes, Lord. This is Abraham's story. So his faith was put into action with his steps. It was by faith that Sarah received the power to conceive a child, even though to her and to everybody else, it seemed impossible. 
Is there any testimonies in the room that God has done something impossible in your life that even you doubted it would happen? This is what it looks like to put your faith into action, to prove your belief through your battle. And I love the preacher as he begins to ramp up the sermon in verse chapter 11, verse 32. He says this, and what more can I say? For time would fail me to talk of Gideon and Barak and Samson and Jephthah and David and Samuel and the prophets who through faith conquered kingdoms, enforced justice, obtained promises, stopped the mouth of lions with their faith, quenched the power of fire with their faith, escaped the edge of the sword. They were made strong out of weakness because of their faith, became mighty in war, put foreign armies to flight. Some were tortured, refused to accept release because they knew a better life was coming than this life now. Others suffered mocking, the preacher says, flogging, even chains and imprisonment. They were stoned, sawn in two. They were killed with the sword. They went about in skins of sheep, goat, destitute, afflicted, mistreated, but they carried on because they had faith. This is what the preacher is trying to tell you. And I don't know if you can even connect to all these Old Testament characters, but there's somebody that you have. See, this, te this text in chapter 11 is called the Hall of Faith, where they line out the heroes of the first century church in faith. Maybe you can't connect with them, but there's somebody in your life that's been a hero of faith, hasn't there? Somebody you can think of that their faith has been exemplary to you. I have a, a, a hero of mine by the name of, of Pastor Timothy Keller. Some of y'all know this name, uh, pretty famous preacher, and uh, I discovered uh, his preaching when I was 22 years old. That's what young white people do. We discover things that already exist, uh, <laughs> like street tacos uh, and soul food. <laughs> we, that's what my people do. I'm just here to tell you. We go to the city, and we come back saying, y'all, I discovered... Pray for us, okay? That's my, that's my people. That's our song. I can't help it. And when I was 22, I discovered preaching that already existed from this pastor, Timothy Keller. See, in 1989, he and his wife, Kathy, moved to Manhattan, New York. Now, the Manhattan of 1989 is not the same Manhattan as today. It was not as desirable. Uh, and he was called upon to start a new church called Redeemer Presbyterian Church. Now, he had almost no experience, and two other people had already turned down the opportunity. He was the third choice to do this work. Had no idea he would do, how, how he would do it, but in faith, he moved to accomplish this. Now, after 28 years of pastoring this church in the heart of Manhattan, he and his wife and, his, and leaders had grown this church from 50 people to start to over 5,000 people a week in attendance. During COVID... Pastor Timothy Keller discovered that he has pancreatic cancer. And the results looked pretty dire. And he was gripped with the reality of his own mortality. He wrote an article last year for The Atlantic, and the title of the article is Growing in My Faith in the Face of Death. And he talks about the battle that he's going through and the steps he's had to take to grow his faith in the battle that he's walking through. He, he writes that oftentimes in the West, we actually allow battles and struggles that come to us to destroy our faith. 
One of the reasons we do that is because we see this world as the place that our comfort is supposed to lie. We think that peace and comfort and success comes to us in this life. And so when struggle comes in, we don't know how to navigate that. And we shake our fists at the sky and say, God, how could you do this? We forget that we're supposed to be living for God and think that God is living for us. And he says, I had to do something. I had to activate my faith whenever death was on my doorstep. I had to activate two different types of work. I had to activate head work and heart work. I had to take ideas that I believed and I had to grapple with them. I believed in the resurrection of Jesus. But what did that mean for me now that I was facing death? Do I really believe it or is it just an idea out there that I understand? And then he said I had to do heart work. I had to get in the Psalms and I had to ask God, would you make yourself real to me in a relational way? I need to know you in a deeper way, God. I need to taste and see that you are good because I feel like it's not good. And so I have to do some head work and some heart work to activate my faith. You see, I have a hero that's walking through his own battle right now, and his belief is being proven by the battle that he's currently walking through. Belief is proven in our battle. And I think what the author of Hebrews, what I'm trying to convince you of today, is as we look to either Pastor Timothy Keller or the heroes of the Old Testament, that success leaves clues. If you want to grow in faith, If you want to deepen your relationship with Jesus, success leaves clues. The reason why this chapter 11 exists is for the author to say, look at these people. They had battles to fight in their life, but they proved themselves faithful by trusting day by day in the work of Jesus, knowing that what he has promised, he'll bring about in their life. So you need to take stock of some people around you whose faith has kept them through difficulty because success leaves clues. If you wanted to grow a business, what would you do? You would go and talk to some people that had grown a successful business and say, I'm going to do steps one through ten just like you had did so I can grow my business too. Why don't we do this with our faith? We're just searching blindly. No, somebody who's been faithful, tell me what to do. Tell me what to do. Success leaves clues. And there's whole chapters in Hebrews trying to say, hey, look at this. Verse 1 of chapter 12 says, therefore, since we're surrounded by this great cloud of witnesses, let us also lay aside every weight and sin which clings so closely. Lay aside the things that are weighing you down, the sin that clings on. Your faith can grow in your fight. Your belief can grow even through the battle. You have testimonies all around you of people trusting God despite what their circumstances would tell you. In our cynicism, we call it foolish, but in God's eyes, he sees it and says, well done. Well done. I want to encourage you this morning that as you're seeking to grow in your faith, that the goal is perseverance, not perfection. The goal is perseverance, not perfection. Hey, if you're here today, congratulations. You're still living and breathing and have another opportunity. You have another day to say, yes, God, I trust you 
with today. One of the most amazing things about this list of uh, the faithful people in Hebrews 11 is not the amazing acts of faith that they accomplished. It was actually how messed up they were, how imperfect every single one of them. You want to listen to how jacked up our family tree is here? Noah was a drunk. Abraham was a coward and an adulterer. Sarah tried to take shortcuts to get God's promises. Jacob was a liar and a thief. Rahab was a prostitute, y'all. And get this, Moses was a killer who hid the body. That's like some Netflix documentary type stuff over here. He killed a dude and hid the body in the sand. Gideon, Samson, and David all had major personal issues. When God's word tells us to lay aside the weights that weigh us down, to put off the sin that so easily entangles us, it's encouraging us not towards perfection, but towards perseverance. That today, I'm gonna, I, gotta, I gotta put this stuff off again today, just like I did yesterday. The text says in, in, verse, in chapter 12, it says, and let us run with endurance the race that is set before us. Not with perfection. You don't gotta run this race flawlessly. It says just don't stop. <laughs> the way you fail in faith is by stopping. The way you win in faith is to keep going. Even if you're crawling, even if you can't even crawl, you just get on your side and roll a little bit. Like what, however you can move forward, move forward in faith. Keep following God day by day. When troubles come, trust God. Don't get weighed down. Keep putting one foot in front of the other. The goal is not to be perfect, but to persevere. And so you may be asking, okay, that's great, Pastor. But I came in here today almost on empty with faith. I'm struggling. I'm online. I can't, I can't even get to church. I'm watching from my couch right now. And I'm struggling because my faith is at an all-time low. So what do I do when my faith feels small? I want to give you just four simple things you can do today if your faith feels small. Number one, if your faith feels small, ask for more. <laughs> ask for more. Uh, hey, Jesus, can I hold $5? <laughs> I don't get paid in faith for the next two weeks, so can I hold a little bit so I can catch you back on the first? You need to ask for more. Uh, if you have a little bit, ask somebody, ask God for more faith. This, this happens in Mark chapter 9. There's a father whose son is possessed by a demon, and the disciples come to uh, heal him, to cast this demon out, and the disciples can't do it. So the disciples bring the dad and the son to Jesus. And the dad talk, starts talking to Jesus about what's wrong with his son. He says this in chapter 9, verse 22. He says, This demon has often cast my, cast my son into fire and water to destroy him. But if you can do anything, have compassion on us and help us. And I love this reply. Jesus says, If I can do anything. The, the father says, If you can do anything. And Jesus goes, If? If I can do anything? Let me fall back, Jesus says. All things are possible for somebody who believes. Verse 24, immediately the father of the child cried out and said, I believe, but help my unbelief. His belief was on E. His faith was low. But he still came to Jesus and said, hey, I got a little bit of faith. My son is struggling. Do you see the suffering in my family? I, my faith is waning right now. I do believe God, but can you help my unbelief? If your faith is on low right now, that's okay. 
That's okay. Ask God for more. Just ask, hey, God, I believe a little bit, but can you help me in my unbelief? And guess what Jesus does for the Father? He works on his behalf. He doesn't doesn't hold a little bit of faith against him. He says, I got you. You got a little bit of faith? I can can work with that. I can help your unbelief. What do you think his faith did after, after Jesus moved on his behalf? All the way up. Full on faith after that. I saw God show up for my son after years of watching his son suffer. Okay, second thing, when your faith is low. Number two, borrow what you don't have. (laughs) Borrow what you don't have. Mark 2 and 3, there's there's a paralyzed man who's tried everything to find healing. And a few of his friends hear that Jesus is in town. And so they get him on a mat. They grab the four corners, and they run their paralyzed friend to Jesus. And this is what the text says. They came, bringing to him a paralytic carried by four men. When they couldn't get near him because of the crowd, they removed the roof above him. And when they made an opening, they let him down on the, and on which, on the bed which the paralytic lay. When Jesus, this is key, don't miss this. When Jesus saw whose faith? Their faith, the friend's. He said to the paralytic, not the friends, he sees the friend's faith and says to the paralytic, your sins are forgiven. If you don't have enough faith right now to get yourself to Jesus, you better get you some friends that can get you to him. (laughs) Get you some friends with more faith than you got. Because sometimes our, our lack of faith causes us to be spiritually paralyzed. We can't even get close to God. We can't take the first step towards obedience or faith or relationship with God, you need some friends because here's what you do. Not me, but y'all. Here, <laughs> here's what we do. We get low on faith, and then we link up with other people who are also low on faith. <laughs> and we complain about all the things that God has not done that he should have done. We complain about all the places we should be that we are not. And that little bit of faith that you have gets choked smaller and smaller and smaller, and you get worse and worse and more cynical and more hateful and more bitter. But when you can take your little bit of faith and get in a small group of some people that are overflowing with faith, do you know that all of a sudden they can breathe life into your spiritual journey? They can say, you don't even know. Listen, listen, this is a spiritual reality. They're not physically bringing you to Jesus, but they're interceding on your behalf praying for you, and you think you're feeling better, but really it's your friends praying for you. It's your friends going to battle, getting you to Jesus when you can't get there yourself. If your faith is on low, borrow what you don't have, but you got to have friends that'll help get you to Jesus. Number three, if your faith is on low, know that you still have enough. (laughs) Matthew 17 and 20, for truly I say to you, if you have faith like a grain of a, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. You're like, Pastor, I don't have a whole lot of faith right now. That's the perfect amount. However much you have is enough. You're feeling depressed and sad because you don't have enough faith, and God's like, I can work with that. The little bit you got, I can do something with that. If you just give it to me. If you hold on to that little bit of faith, I can't do nothing with it. If you bring it to me, I can do miracles. I can move mountains in your life if you bring me a little bit of faith. Don't be discouraged. 
if your faith is low, be encouraged that that's the perfect amount for God to make miracles happen. And the last thing, if your faith is low, number four, if your faith is on low, ask God to show up anyway. <laughs> Just ask him to show up anyway. Uh, uh, 2 Corinthians 12, 9 and 10. But he said to me, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in weakness. Therefore, Paul says, I will boast in my weaknesses that the power of Christ may rest upon me. For the sake of Christ, then, I am content with weaknesses, insults, hardships, persecutions, calamities. For when I am weak, then I am strong. If you feel weak in faith, ask God to move anyway. God doesn't need you to have strong faith. He doesn't need all the boldness he needs is to come to him. That's all the boldness you need. God, I need help. That's all he needs from you. He wants you to come. Come weak. Do you know who you are? You're a created being. Your life is a vapor. One day it's here, one day it's gone. But God is eternal. All exist, pre-existent, preeminent, superior to all things. And he says, hey, your weakness is the perfect place for me to come in and work. You keep being weak, I'm going to show you how strong I am. So if you have just a little bit of faith, ask God to move anyway. God, I have a whole lot of doubt, a little bit of faith. Would you do it anyway? That's what I want a church full of people. They say, God, I'm not really sure about it, but would you do it anyway? <laughs> I need you to move anyway. <laughs> and you're going to need this faith, this type of faith, for whatever fight you're engaged in because your faith will bring you to the finish line. Your faith is what's going to bring you to the finish line. Uh, I hope you're encouraged today that the fight you find yourself in is the perfect place for your faith to grow. That your faith doesn't have to be flawless. And even the little bit of faith that you have is enough to move mountains. That this battle-tested, imperfect, mustard-seed kind of faith is the thing that will take you to the finish line of life. But I'm afraid there's some of us that still view faith as something too big for us to grasp. That that next step of faith for you is so far out there. I can't, certainly God, I can't do what I need to do to trust you with where you're wanting to take me. We try to get five, ten years down the road when God's trying to help us live today. Let me, let me throw up an image real quick to help uh, sort this out for you. We think that faith is the picture on the right. I got to reach and stretch, possibly jump, maybe touch it. I'm not strong enough. I haven't been doing this long enough. I don't know exactly how to grab this next thing to take hold to it. And we think faith is so big that we just stand there and never actually move. What faith is really like is the image on the left. It's day by day trusting that God will do what he said he'll do. It's not getting ahead of ourselves, not overthinking it. It's, guessing what, it's waking up in the morning saying, God, I'm going to do what I can today with what I have today, trusting you to supply all of my needs according to your riches and, and, and mercy. I'm going to trust you today. I'm going to get through today. I'm going to go to bed. I'm going to wake up to new mercies in the morning. Faithfulness. Success in faith looks like continuing to take that next small step 
day by day. And can you imagine the person on the right is looking up at the person on the left thinking, how did they get so far? Here's what God's going to do in your life. You're going to continue to trust him day after day. And you're going to be further along in your faith journey. And you're going to see somebody down the way struggling in faith. And you're going to be able to shout back to him and say, it's not that difficult. Just trust him today. You're going to be able to help somebody take the very next step of faith. I want to encourage you today. Stop overthinking what God is doing in your life. Just trust him today. You can't handle tomorrow. You can barely handle two hours from now. So leave tomorrow with him and take the step today to be faithful. Activate the faith that you have to take the next step today. Go ahead and throw that down. I saw, I saw the, the cell phones taking pictures. You guys got it. You guys locked it in, okay? Our text tells us how we're to take these small steps. How do you take a small step in faith? We don't just need to look at the examples of the heroes around us. That's great. We don't need to focus on the battle before us. We can endure and run this race, verse 2 tells us, looking to Jesus, the founder and perfecter of the faith that we have, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God in authority and power. We're able to take small steps of faith day by day because we keep our eyes on Jesus, not the battle we're in. He's the one that gave us whatever faith we possess in the first place. If you have any faith at all, guess what? That's a deposit given to you by Jesus. That's why we can ask him for more. Jesus, would you give me some more faith? You gave me the little bit I have. Could you increase it a little bit? He's the founder of our faith. He, he started you in the faith business. He gave you that first investment of faith, and he'll continue to grow it. He's the founder of your faith. He's not, but he's not just the founder. He's the perfecter of it which means he walks with you. Those little, every single rung of the faith ladder, he's taken every step with you, cultivating faith in us as we keep our eyes on him. He can do this, Jesus can do this because he has his own faith journey. Did y'all know this? Jesus had his own faith journey. He, he, he does it because he had to walk through a battle too. He had pain that he had to enter into just like you. The creator of the universe stepped into our situation and he endured a battle on the cross so that we could experience victory. This Jesus, God in the flesh, lived a sinless life and died a sinner's death. And he did it trusting that victory was on the other side of the fight. He had faith that the fight would be worth it in the end. And they hung him high, didn't they? And they stretched him wide. And they pierced his hands and his feet on that cross. And they pierced his side with the spear, and he died there on that tree. And they pulled him down and they buried him in a borrowed tomb. But early Sunday morning, he got back up with all power and authority in his hands. And now the author of Hebrews tells us that he's seated at the right hand of the throne of God in power and authority. And he's telling you and me, I know you're in a battle. I've been to one too. I know you're walking through pain. I've been through it too. We have a great high priest who can identify with everything that we're going through. But you need to get your eyes off the battle and get your eyes onto the victor. Get your eyes onto Jesus, and then you can take your steps day by day. But you got to set your eyes on Jesus if you're going to get through this. 
You're going to need faith if you ever want to get through this fight. He says, look at me in the face of battle, and I'll bring you to the finish line. Are the holidays hard for you to get through? Look to Jesus. Is your family disconnected right now? Look to Jesus. Have you made a mess of everything around you? Look to Jesus. Are you fighting for your very life right now? Look to Jesus. He's the author and finisher of your faith, and he will see you through. I want to close my message like this uh, because my wife told me to. Um, <laughs> we, we were at my parents' house in, uh, in the St. Louis area for the holiday, and they live like out in the sticks, out in the country. Uh, and we were staying there, and yesterday morning, yesterday morning, we got up, and uh, there was a thick fog that had settled over the entire St. Louis metro. There's some crazy pictures out there right now, like just the arch sticking out of this crazy fog all over St. Louis. And I woke up and I was like, oh my gosh, we can't drive in this. Like we can't go where we wanna go because this fog has settled in. And so I'm like, I don't know what to do right now. My dad tells me, he's like, hey, just, it's gonna be fine. Like the sun's gonna come up and then eventually it's gonna burn off the, the fog and everything's gonna be fine once the sun gets high enough and it gets hot enough outside. I'm like, okay, so in the meantime, I just start like killing time, right? There's nothing for me to do. So I just start scrolling through my phone. My parents don't have cable because <laughs> they're in the country. And so I'm like watching like Perry Mason on television, <laughs> like whatever's on free weird television. Uh, and I'm just killing time. And, and then I check the window, it's like 9.30, still crazy foggy, can't do anything. 10 o'clock, still crazy foggy, can't do anything. I'm like, when? Is this going to go away so we can actually get busy with what we need to get busy with? And then I start thinking, man, my dad told me by about noon, the sun will be high enough and we can get going. And so I figure I, I better get busy doing at least what I can do. So I'm going to go pack the, pack the kids' clothes up, make sure you get all the chargers, right? Because you always leave a charger somewhere no matter where you visit. So I'm going to pray over all these chargers, get them in the, in the, the luggage. Uh, and <laughs> start packing things up, move all the luggage from the basement up to the stairs to get ready to load the car up. Uh, and about 11.30, I'm like, man, let me go ahead and, and get busy loading the car up because we got to make this trip. we got to get home before it starts raining in Raytown. we got to get busy, okay? So I start loading the car up, and I walk out to the car, and uh, I, I'm staying there. I'm, I'm telling my wife the same story, right? And she looks at me, and she goes, that'll preach. I was like, ooh. Yes, ma'am, it will. I think I'm going to use that. And that's just a little side note that if you're looking for somebody to spend your life with, find somebody that can tell you when God's trying to speak to you. Amen? That's a whole, that's free. That's free. So I'm standing there. On the, on my, there's about a couple hundred acres of farmland next to my parents' house. We don't own it. We don't have it like that. But the, there's farmland. And so I'm sitting there looking at the farmland. And I see the most amazing thing. The, the, the fog is beginning to dissipate. But it's not dissipating like just going up, at the back of the field, there's like this dark tree line. And as the sunlight is coming up behind me, it looks like the fog is running away from the sun off into the trees. I can see the mist running to the trees. And I'm like, okay, God, I kind of see what you're trying to say here. Because I feel like the battles that we find ourselves in often leave us in a fog. <laughs> like they, they, they just settle all around us. And the troubles of life come around us to where you can't see what's next for you. You can't see the next step in your life. You can't see 20 feet away. And so what do you do when life gets foggy? You sit down and you waste time. 
I'll just scroll my life. I don't know what you're going to do. I don't know how it's going to happen, so I'm just going to sit here and do this. Maybe I'll watch some TV. I'll text some friends some funny memes. And and that's what what we do. And, And we just waste our time. But at a certain point, because listen, my dad was telling me the sun's going to rise. It's going to burn off this fog. And I trusted my dad. So at around 930, I said, man, let me go start packing my family up. I can't drive right now, but what I can do is prepare for what I'm about to do. I can prepare myself for where God's taking me. And what I'm telling you today is quit letting the battle you're in paralyze you in your faith. Get busy with what you can do. Prepare the journey because, listen, eventually God is going to have the sun shine on your life to a way where the fog is going to not just dissipate, it's going to run away. Because what God has promised you, he will see it come to pass. You just have to activate the little faith you got. Don't be afraid that you got small faith. Say, hey, I got this mustard seed, God. I need you to be strong because I'm weak. And he's telling you and me today, he's telling us, if you would just activate the faith you have, get busy doing the things, preparing for what I'm doing in your life, eventually, at the right moment, it's going to be time to hit the road. It's going to be time to get busy. And when that happens, you don't want to be scrolling your life away. (laughs) When the the mist is gone, you don't want to look up years later saying, man, I should have got busy five years ago. No, I want to prepare myself now. I want to be like Noah. I've never seen a rainy day before in my life, but every single day I'm going to work and be diligent and be faithful to what God said he would do. I know he's bringing the rain someday, and I'm going to work hard now to prepare myself to be active then. And I want to close this way. I'm almost in my seat, okay? But I'm afraid there's people that are watching online, and there's people that are in the room that have never activated any faith, that have never put any faith in anything outside of their own ability and the things around the world to provide for them. And I'm telling you today, the author of Hebrews is telling you today, and the the Holy Spirit is joining me and telling you today that you're going to need faith to win this fight. The fight that you're involved in, you need some faithful friends that can get you to Jesus. You may not have any friends of faith. You may not have any Christian friends. Let me be your faithful friend today. Let me help get you to Jesus today. I want to extend an offer to you to put your faith in Jesus for the very first time today. To activate faith for the fight that you're in in your life. And God will carry you through. He's the author of your faith and the perfecter of it. He who began a good work in you, amen, will be faithful to complete it. Will you guys bow your head? I want to pray for my friends. If you're here today and have never trusted in Jesus, would you just pray this simple prayer with me? God, I know I'm broken. I know I have very little faith. God, would you give me faith in Jesus? I want to trust you with my life. I want to put my faith in you, God. From this day until the end of my life, I want to live every day with faith in Christ. I know I'm a sinner. I know I need to be saved. I trust the blood of Jesus and his resurrection to save me out of the pit that I'm in and walk with me for the rest of my life. I give my life to you.
I trust in Jesus. And it's in Jesus' name I pray this. Amen. If you prayed that prayer today for the first time, would you just slip a hand up? I'm not going to call you up front or embarrass you. I have some friends that want to give you a Bible and just a little connection card. I want you to take that card, fill it out with your information. You can either bring that forward. We, want to, we have people at the front that want to pray for you. We have people at our next steps desk as you leave. Don't get out of here if you prayed that prayer for the first time today without filling that card out and talking to somebody who can help you to get to your next step of faith. Friends, I'm so pleased that you're here today. Can we give a, a round of applause to everybody that prayed that <laughs> prayer today? Now, before y'all leave, before y'all leave, I know there's a, a game to get to today and all those kind of things. But before y'all leave, uh, I want to encourage you a couple things. One, if you came ready to give, there are buckets at the doors you can give in as you leave. Secondly, if you came prepared to go to Growth Track, Growth Track Step 4 is happening today. Right out these doors immediately after service. And regardless of what you play in for for the rest of the day, I want to pray for you that God would establish you in faith, would grow you in faith, and would help you see that the battle you're going through is the perfect ground for your faith to grow. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you today for my friends. God, everyone in this room, God, I pray that you would, you would uh, just ignite a spark of faith in our hearts today. God, that you would fan that spark to a flame. And God, that you would just establish us in our faith today. God, help us to not leave this place uh, feeling like you can't bring about every single thing that we need in our lives. God, help us to stop overthinking our lives. God, help us to be obedient for today. God, as we go to sleep tonight, God, I pray you would wake us up to appreciate the new mercies of tomorrow, that you are establishing not just a season of faith in our lives, but a legacy of faith for generations to come. Be with my friends. Bring us back here next week to worship, praise, and hear from your will. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, amen. You guys are dismissed.